All right, Psalms 41, are you there? Say amen. amen. All right, let me read verse 1, you verse 2 and following. And if you will, as we read this, don't just read it. I mean, you know, I do that. I read my Bible sometime just to get it done. That's not right. So let's focus on what we're reading as we read. Look at verse 1. Blessed is he that considereth the poor, verse 1. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou will not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed, the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? And if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity. His heart gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goeth abroad, he telleth it. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease, say they, cleaveth fast unto him. And now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and raise me up, that I may requite them. By this I know that thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. And as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity, and settest me before thy face forever." Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. Amen and amen. Psalms 41. Now what does all that have to do with us? Well, let's pray and we'll dig around in this text a little bit. Father, thank you for the Bible, for the Word of God. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blessed hope of our Savior. Thank you for your kindness, your grace, and your mercy. Bless our time together now. Speak to us and help us from this, this portion of Scripture, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For several months now, so it seems, we have been making our way through the Old Testament book of Psalms, and I've entitled this whole outfit, this whole series of messages, Preaching Through the Psalms. Tonight we find our way all the way up through the 41st division or chapter of this great book. Once again, like so many times before, in these opening 41 Psalms, we're told right up front that this is a Psalm of David. Now, for those of us that are familiar with the story of David's life, we remember back in the books of First and Second Samuel, we remember the opening two chapters of the book of First Kings, and then we remember the story of David's life from the book of First Chronicles. And in those books, we see what David was like on the outside. We read about his ways. We read about his wars. We read about his works in those books of the Bible. And in those books of the Bible, we are introduced to a man that is fearless. We see him fighting the bear and the lion. We see David slaying the giant in the valley of Elah. We understand what a mighty warrior that David is a mighty king ruling over the nation of Israel. We understand uh, David the husband and David the dad. David seems to be solid and steadfast and sturdy. 
no matter what comes his way or who comes his way, it seems like he has the courage to face it. That's David on the outside from those books. It is only as we get into the book of Psalms that we kind of learn what David was like on the inside. When we get in the book of Psalms, it's almost like the Holy Spirit pulls the curtain back and allows us to see a side of David that is unknown to us in those other books. We see the heart and the mind and the inward struggles that David went through in his life. While in the books of Samuel and the books of Chronicles, we see a, a superhero, indestructible and undefeated, undefeatable. But when we get into the book of Psalms, if I could put my New Testament glasses on for just a minute, and to borrow a phrase from the book of James, we come to understand that David was a man of like passions as we are. In other words, David was made up of the same stuff that we're made out of. In those other books, we kind of understand that David seems to be like a superman. But when we get into the Psalms, we see David Clark Kent. The anemic, the weak, the fearful Clark Kent. Because when we get into the Psalms, we see David fearing. We see David doubting. We see David questioning and wondering. We see David suffering and hoping and praying. In the Psalms, we come to understand, you know, David's pretty much a whole lot just like you and me. And that is certainly true as we approach Psalms chapter 41. It almost seems like, again, that David wrote the words of this psalm. Of course, David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote the words of the psalm. And then he handed it, so says that superscription. He handed it to the chief musician and said, okay, here's the words. Now put the words to music. And so in Psalms 41, we have a continuation of what is going on in David's life started back in Psalms 38. Now, if you think back three or four or five weeks ago, however long it's been, uh, you may remember back in Psalms 38, David is sick. And David is suffering. He is in extreme pain and struggling with the effects of his sin. Look back in Psalms 38, and we read things like this. Verse, verse 2, For thine arrows stick fast in me, thy hand presseth me sore. He talks about uh, in verse number 3, There's no soundness in my flesh. There's no rest, any rest in my bones because of my sin. He talks about his wounds stinking and uh, they're corrupt because of all this. I mean, David is in extreme pain. He is in a pickle, man. David is very, very sick, struggling with the effects of his sin. In Psalms 40, which is a continuation of all that, David talks about being in a horrible pit in the miry clay. Now, I don't think David is literally in a horrible pit and in the miry clay, but I do think, I do think at least emotionally and, and, and spiritually and mentally, David is describing his condition as being in a horrible pit and in the miry clay. Now, if you'll stop long enough and stop uh, to think about it, there have been those predicaments in our life that we could describe as being in a horrible pit and in the miry clay. Well, if all that be true, then Psalms 41, as he continues to write about that current situation that he's in, it helps us to get an understanding of what's going on in David's life in Psalms chapter 41. Now we kind of come to understand the situation that he's in. He's suffering, he's sick, he's uh, 
uh, deathly sick. I mean, it, it probably thought that he was going to die. I mean, he's in a horrible situation in his life, and it's along about this time that his boy, Absalom, rebelled against him. Now, it's bad, watch this. It's bad enough to be that sick. But then to add insult to injury, when you're that sick, deathly sick, with all that stuff going on in your body, and then you hear about your own son rebelling against you, I mean, that's, uh, that's, uh, that, that's terrible. Let me show you what the Bible said, what Absalom did. The Bible said there in 2 Samuel 15, verse number 6, So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. So here's David, sick, incapacitated, in bed, while all this is going on, his boy Absalom, behind his back, is stealing the hearts of the men of Israel. Can I say it like this? He's taking advantage of David during this time of great sickness in his life. David speaks about this in Psalms 41, verse number 6. He talks about this. Look at verse 5. Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? Boy, that'd be bad. You're laying in the bed and you're thinking, boy, I know a bunch of people would really like for me to die. I know there's a lot of people who'd be glad if I did die. In fact, if I did die, they'll sing at my funeral. Thank God, Greyhound, he's gone. That's what David is saying. Then he says in verse number 6, and if he come to see me. Now, who's the he? Well, I think it's probably Absalom. And if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity. Uh, we'd say it like this. He's blowing smoke. What he's saying, he don't mean. Look at verse number 6. And if he come to see me, speak of vanity, his heart gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goeth abroad, he telleth it. In other words, he said, oh, he comes and he sees me and he wishes me well. He says, oh, Dad, I hope you get better soon. We really miss you on the throne, but don't worry about it. The kingdom is safe. All the while, that rascal is sneaking around, stealing the hearts of the men of Israel. Probably when he went to see his daddy, he said, hey, hope you get better, daddy. I hope you get well soon. He's probably got his fingers crossed. I remember several years ago, uh, this is right after I first came to Woodland, but me and Brother Zeno were in the Forsyth Hospital and we were visiting. And when we were visiting in the lobby, we met Brother Leon Michaels. Brother Leon Michaels was the pastor at that time of Rachel Baptist Church. No, uh, yeah, somewhere. Was it Rachel? Something up there. He was in uh, Rhonda. Yeah, Rhonda, North Carolina. He's a pastor of Rachel Baptist Church. And uh, Brother Michaels was out of Woodland. He'd been gone for years, but him and Brother Zeno remained close. And so I stood there as, as him and, and Brother Zeno were talking. And uh, so we got ready to leave. We had some visits to make. And uh, so he, he said to Brother Zeno, and he said to me as well, he said, now y'all pray for me. He said, I got to go upstairs on the seventh floor and pray for a deacon that has given me hell for the past 10 years of my life. And Brother Zeno looked at him and said, how are you going to pray for somebody like that? Brother Michaels went like that. <laughs> I think Absalom would come see his daddy. And he'd say, if he comes to see me, speak with vanity like, hey, hope you're back on the throne soon. Hope you're better, daddy. Hope you get better soon. He didn't mean it. And then, if you look on down in this, this same chapter, David said they speak vanity. 
uh, they want it to happen. Verse number 5, they hope that I die. Isn't that sad? Your own son hoping that you would die. And, and then uh, verse number 5, they talk about all this stuff. And I mean, man, it's a bad situation in David's life. But as we look at Psalms 41, I want to give you four things from this psalm. Just bear with me and hopefully it'll all make sense when we get through. Four ways to treat somebody. Four ways to treat somebody. First of all, look at verse 1, verse 2, and verse number 3. And let me say this. Here's a good way to treat people with courtesy. That's how we ought to treat others, with courtesy. Now here's David. And David is going through this awful time in his life. It seems like early on in David's life, David had the Midas touch. Everything he touched turned to gold. But later on in David's life, he had the Midas touch, all right, but everything turned into a muffler. David is in a mess. David's life, I mean, man, he's in a rough patch. He's sick. He's suffering. He's being slandered. And maybe he knows it or maybe he don't know it, but while he's there, his very kingdom is being stolen from him. And yet, with all that going on, David said, you know something, we ought to be kind to the poor. We ought to show courtesy. Look at verse 1. Blessed is he that considereth the poor, the Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. It seems like right here in this moment of David's life, while he's so sick and all this troubling time and all this is going on in his life, David says, you know something, we ought to, we ought to treat others with courtesy. We ought to treat others with kindness. That's what he said there in verse 1. And that verse, verse number 1, reminds me of this verse right here. Look at it. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. But he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. You know what? You know what we're being told? Hey, as God's people, we ought to treat others with courtesy. Now let me say something. David just didn't preach in this. David practiced. Uh, practiced. David practiced this. That's right. I can I can say one word. And automatically you're going to think, oh yeah, he was pretty courteous, wasn't he? Let me give you one word. Mephibosheth. I mean, here is David. He's sitting on the throne of the nation of Israel. He's living in the lap of luxury. Every beck and whim that he has is attended to. I mean, man, anything he wants, all he's got to do is speak the world. It's brought to him. And yet living such a life as that, David took time to remember somebody that was poor. And he said, is there any left of the house of Saul that I may show him the kindness of God for Jonathan's sake? Now remember, Mephibosheth had nothing. Mephibosheth was living down in Lodibar. That means the place of no pasture. He was caught up in a family. He lived in the house of maker. That means the house of bondage. I'm telling you, Mephibosheth was on a fast track to nowhere. He had nothing. And yet David extended courtesy and kindness to him, brought him to the palace and said, you're going to eat bread at my table for the rest of your life. Boy, David had practiced what he's preaching here. David is saying we ought to treat people with courtesy and with kindness. We ought to treat the poor like that. Now, I know, I know you're like me probably. 
It's kind of hard. I get it. To help stop and give somebody money at the stop sign who's standing there, we'll work for food. And just right across the road, there's a, a fast food place over there that says help needed. Have you ever seen that before? We'll work for food. Right across the road, they're advertising, hiring, help needed, whatever. I've seen even some signs said, get paid today. And yet they'd rather stand on the street corner and hold a sign and beg people for, for money. It's kind of hard to help people like that. And I know, I'm like you, it's hard to tell who's real, who's not real. I saw several years ago on ABC, I want to say it was 2020, and they were doing a, uh, an undercover thing about people who stand on the street corners. Some will stand on the street corners and people come by and give them 5 10 15 $20. And then when, at the day's over, man, they're counting all that money and they go climb into a Lexus and drive home. But now in our attempts in our seeing all of that doesn't mean that there aren't some people in the world who need help. And it's one thing for you and me, 1 John says this, to say to your brother, be warmed, be filled. But then you don't give him those things that he needs to be warmed and be filled. We ought to treat the poor. We ought to be courteous to the poor. Hey, when somebody comes to our church here, I mean, maybe you look at them and it's obvious they don't have a whole lot we still ought to be friendly to them, be kind to them. Extend your hand. Welcome them to church. Can I tell you something? That's the kind of people Jesus died for. Jesus loves them just like he loves me and he loves you. And let's don't ever get so heady and high-minded that we can't get out and shake hands with somebody maybe down on their luck, having a tough time in their life. We can still love them. We can still welcome them. Let's don't ever, you know, our church has always been like that. Let's don't ever get to the place that we don't welcome people like that. Can I have an amen? Ble read verse 1. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. And then if you look at this, there are six things that God will do for somebody who shows courtesy to the poor. Number one, look at verse 1. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. How many of y'all plan on getting in some trouble sometime this year? Raise your hand. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a Baptist preacher. I'm going to get in trouble this year. I know I am. It's coming. I've already been in trouble. <laughs> I, I just got out of trouble this last week, but I know I'm headed back for some more. Trouble is coming. You're going to have them. I'm going to have them. But God said, hey, you show courtesy to the poor. You treat others with courtesy. God said, I'll deliver you when you get in trouble. Yeah. Look at verse number two. Here's the second thing. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. David is just pleading his case. God, remember now. I've shown kindness to the poor. I've considered the poor. Hey, God, remember Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. And God... I need you to help me now in my trouble. And Lord, I need you to deliver me and preserve me and keep me alive. That's number two. Look at number three. He shall be blessed upon the earth. Look at number four. He will not be given over into the hands of his enemy. Boy, at this time, I imagine David's going, Whoosh. I mean, Absalom's trying to kill him. And God said, hey, you remember the poor? You show courtesy to them. I'll not give you into the hands of your enemies. How many of you want God to give you over to the hand of your enemies? Now, whether we like to admit it tonight, we all got enemies. And I think the longer I pastor, the more enemies I got. I don't know why everybody can't love me. 
I don't understand it. I, I struggle with it. Okay, it's very quiet in here right now. I'm dwelling in the midst of a bunch of enemies right here in this room tonight. But you know something? God said, hey, man, you, you show courtesy to people. You be kind to people. And God said, I'll not give you into the hands of your enemies. Look again, here's the fifth thing. God will give strength. Look at the, that phrase there where the Bible said that the Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. As he pines away, as he wastes away, God said, I'm going to give you strength. And then if you look there at the end of verse number 3, God said, I'm going to help you when you get sick. I'm going to make your bed in your sickness. I've never been bed fast before. I'm probably headed there even quicker than I want to go. But I've never been bed fast before. But they tell me one of the most important things you can do for a person who's sick is to keep their bed changed. And God said, hey, you take care of the poor. I'll change your bed when you get sick. Isn't that amazing? Courtesy. God said, hey, show, go, show courtesy. That's how we ought to treat other people. And how many times do we, 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 we're rude to other people? And we treat other people harshly and not with courtesy. I think in America that seems to be almost a lost thing in America anymore. There's no courtesy anymore. I was reading an article on Fox News not long ago and, you know, people were making fun of these folks that went down in that submarine and they, it imploded on the way to Titanic. They were going down there to look around. And, man, people were just being brutal about that. Wait a minute. Here's five people that just got killed. And these other people just laughing, making fun of it. And a psychologist said, in America, there's no more courtesy. And let's just face it, man. When's the last time somebody moved over and let you out on the highway? <laughs> courtesy. That's how we treat others. Courtesy. Now come with, if you will, down to verse number five. And here's a second way. Courtesy, that's how we treat others. Watch this. Treachery, that's how others treat us. Now look at me. Let's get something straight before I even get into this. I don't want you to go out of here thinking, man, under God, why are we even alive? All these people being treacherous to us. It's not, listen, there are a lot more people who are kind to me than they are treacherous to me. Is that right? There's, uh, listen, God... God has blessed my life, and yes, I have, my, I have my enemies, and yes, they're growing larger every day, and yes, I've been hurt by people before. But can I tell you something? There's been a whole lot more people in this walk of life along the journey of my life that have been kind to me than have been treacherous to me. But can you, you know what's so sad about all this is? We, we minimize those who are kind, and we magnify those who hurt us. And that's human nature. I do it. You probably do it too. I mean, somebody, one person can, uh, 100 people can be kind to you and help you. One person can stab you in the back and we're all, we're all in the molly grubs. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Man, we're, we're, in, we're miserable. You know why? Not because of the 100 who were kind, but because of the one that stabbed us in the back. I've been there, you've been there, we've all been there. But I, when I talk about treachery, I, I, don't, I don't want you to go out of here thinking, man, it, life is horrible because life's not bad. Can I have an amen? You know something? There's more glory than there is gloom. There's more good days than bad days. There's more blessings than burdens. I just want to say God is good. And God has blessed my life and people have been good. But there have been a few times that there have been some Absaloms in my life. 
If you look in our text, beginning in verse number 5, David begins to identify some of this treacherous acts, these people who were treating him uh, so unkindly in life. Now, when we talk about treachery, let me give you some synonyms. Betrayal, deception, dishonesty, slander. David is saying in this text here that while he was so sick, there were others, man, and he'd try to be courteous. There were others who were being treacherous to him. They were betraying him. Obviously, we know his boy did. First of all, look at verse number 5. He, he mentions the hatred of his subjects. Look what he said in verse 5. My enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die in his name? Perish. They're standing around waiting for David to kick the bucket. They can't wait for the, the thing on the machine to go. Not. They're hoping. They're waiting on word from the palace, man, that David's dead. They're wanting him to die. The hatred of his subjects. And by the way, look at me. I'm not talking about the Moabites. I'm not talking about the Ammonites or the Philistines. I'm talking about his own people. It's one thing for the Moabites to hate you. It's another thing for the Ammonites to hate you. It's another thing for the Philistines to hate you. But I'll tell you what hurts is when your own people act like that. Can I have an amen? Hey, it's one thing for the drunks of the world to hate the church and the preacher. It's, another, it's one thing for the drug addicts to hate. But I'm telling you, when that hatred comes from people on the inside, when people on the inside say, man, I wish he would find him somewhere else, or I wish the Lord would just take him on out of here and take him to heaven, that hurts. And David said, my own subjects were saying that about me. The people I employed... There's no royalty of loyalty much anymore. Can I have an amen? I mean, man, people that are closest to you. What's the old saying? Keep your friends close and your enemies. David said, man, my subjects hated me. There's the hatred of his subjects. Look again at verse 6. There's the hypocrisy of his son. Look what he said. When if he comes see me, he speaketh vanity. His heart gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goeth abroad, he telleth it. Here's old Absalom sneaking around, telling David, it's all under control. The kingdom is fine. The sun is shining, daddy. Hope you well soon. And all the while, he's sneaking around, stealing the hearts of the men of Israel. The hypocrisy of his son, the hatred of his subjects, but look at verse 9. There is the hurt of his sidekick. Look at verse 9. Yea, my own familiar friend. Let me read verse 8. An evil disease, say they. It's almost like an evil disease, eh? An evil disease. Huh? <laughs> then they said this. Cleaveth fast unto him. Now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. They said, he's a goner. Man, we can't wait. And then David said there in verse 9, he starts talking about his sidekick. Now, who's his sidekick? Well, David's best friend in life was Ahithophel. David was uh, uh, good friends. They had a great, they had a special relationship in Ahithophel. And David said there in verse number 9, Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. You may remember when Absalom revolted and uh, David had to run and leave Jerusalem, Ahithophel, David's best friend, sided with Absalom. Now there's more to the story because Ahithophel was the grandpa of Bathsheba. Kind of getting it now? 
I think old Ahithophel said, you did that to my granddaughter, you low down, no good for nothing king. You did that to her, killed that good husband of her. I was there when they got married, walked her down the aisle, and you did. I understand kind of Ahithophel's anger here toward David, but David is saying there in verse 9, boy, he was my best friend. And my best friend, we ate bread over in Psalms 55. He said, we went to the house of God together. Hold it, hold it, hold it. You ever had that kind of hurt before? Somebody you used to go out and eat with? Somebody you used to go to church with? And they lifted up their heel against you? They forsook you? They kicked you? I mean, man, while you were down, they let you have it? Boy, that's a hurt, isn't it? That is a hurt. And you may think all the, uh, the, 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 this is wrong, but uh, may I just remind you, this is how Jesus was treated. Jesus loved everybody. Jesus was courteous. He treated everybody with kindness and love. He fed hungry people. He healed sick people. He gave sight to, uh, to, uh, and the ability to hear to those who could not. And yet, look how he was treated. Uh, look what we did to him. And by the way, we're no better than he is. If he was treated like that, guess what? We're going we're gonna to suffer our acts of treason from time to time. There are those who are going to hurt us. Look at this verse right here, John chapter 15, verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they're going to let you have it too. We're not any better than Jesus was. If he was lied upon and falsely accused and then put to death, we're not greater than he. We might as well expect it. It's going to happen to us in this world. Courtesy, that's how we ought to treat others. Treachery, that's how we get treated sometimes. But then look at this. I like this third one. Poof, mercy. That's how God treats us. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for mercy? Look at verse 10, 11, 12. In the midst of all this happening, David said, But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me. Raise me up. And then he said this, and I probably would have said it too, that I might requite them. I probably would have said it too. Remember, David's just human, just like me and you are. I probably said, Lord, let me out of this bed. Give me my strength. We're going to meet out back. We're going to fix this situation once and for all. But he said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Aren't you glad he's a merciful God? Yes, there are those times we get hurt. Yes, there are those familiar friends that we ate, ate bread with. Yes, there are those people that we walked to the house of God and took sweet counsel together. Yes, that's going to happen to us. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that we have a God that is full of mercy? God, he is a merciful God. David is pleading, verse 10, verse 11, By this I know that thou favorest me, because my enemy doth not triumph over me. As for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity and settest me before thy face forever. Now wait a minute, wait, hold it, hold it, wait a minute here. David deserved to die over what he had done. David deserved to die. When you committed adultery with another man's wife in the Old Testament days, and even in the New Testament days, uh, before grace, and you still shouldn't do it, you say, we're living in grace now. That don't make it right. But in the Old Testament, when you committed adultery with another man's wife, you were to be put to death. Look at this verse right here. A man that committeth adultery with another man's wife shall surely be... That's the law of God. David deserved to die. You know why? He committed adultery with another man's wife. 
But then to add insult to injury, he not only t- uh, committed adultery with his wife, he took that man's life. And here's what the Bible said in the Old Testament, and he that killeth any man. So David deserves two death sentences. And what did God do? God sent the preacher over there to tell him, and the Lord hath also put away thy sin. God dealt with David in mercy. And you know something? We ought to deal with others in courtesy. Sometimes we get dealt with by others in treachery. But aren't you glad God deals with us in mercy? And David is just pleading with God for mercy. Guess what? He got it. And I tell you what, we all ought to thank God that he gives us mercy. Somebody once said, mercy keeps us from getting what we do deserve. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. God deals with us in mercy. He's a merciful God. He's a wonderful God. But let me close with this. Time's gone. So watch this. There's courtesy, treachery, mercy. But then there's glory. That's how we should treat God. That's glory. How do we treat God? Look at verse 13. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. Amen and amen. How do we treat God? Well, we treat Him with glory. We praise Him. We exalt Him. We lift Him up. We glorify Him. We honor Him. We adore Him. We love Him. Why? I'll tell you why He deserves it. You know why? Because He has been good to us. So, courtesy, we treat others. Treachery, sometimes, not all the time. It's how others treat us. Mercy, that's how God treats us. And glory, that's how we treat God. So let's put into practice those things there. Let's go out tomorrow. Let's be courteous. And if, and if we do get an act of tre- treachery against us, let's just remember David got it, Jesus got it, and we ain't any better. And it hurts, and it stinks, and we don't like it, and it leaves a bitter taste in our mouth. But it happens. But let's just remember how God treats us in mercy and how God expects us to treat Him with glory. Is that psalm right up to date with where we live or not, man? There we go. That's how it works. Thank you for coming. Same week, next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you.